0: Welcome to Becoming. Today we have a teen talking to us about his experience in the foster care system for over 10 years. He has so much light and experience and good to share with us about how we can grow and become the person who we're supposed to be. We are so grateful for him sharing his experience with us and we hope you enjoy it. This is Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults. Episode 31, Tales from Teens, with Carlos Red.
1: Hi there, and welcome to Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be.
0: Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become.
1: We are your hosts, Tani Beardall and Erica Peterson. We will be interviewing guests with unique experiences and experts in different fields to help us get the most out of each episode.
0: We are so grateful to have you here with us today. We are doing a lot of great teen episodes and focusing on teens and their unique experiences and what they've learned from those, and what they want to share with other teens. Today, we have our friend Carlos here to share with us. And Carlos, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Okay, well, as I said, my name is Carlos Red. Um, I'm 18 years old, but I'm just a person who's willing to help others and be their friend and just have a good time.
1: What are your hobbies and what interests you? What are you into?
2: Um, Well, there's only really two things that really interest me um, ever since I was a young kid. And that is football and actually doing things like this, like public speaking or just giving talks in church or just, just wow. stuff. Like that. it's awesome. I love doing that stuff.
1: You're kidding me. That is like one of my fears and it's something you love. That's amazing. So
0: Carlos has been in the foster system and he's going to share a little bit about his experience with us. And he's going to give us the history of his foster experience and his adoption experience. So Carlos, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history in the foster care system?
2: All right. Um, so I'm originally from California, um, San Diego, super pretty there. If you've never been go there. Um, anyways, um, I entered into the foster system at the age of two years old, um, along with, uh, six other siblings. I moved around a lot. Um, In California, I went to a couple homes. I was actually in foster care for over a decade, um, about 12 years. And I was able to get out of the system when I was 14 years old. And I went through a lot of things that no child should really go through. But, you know, obviously I wasn't the type of person to let those events affect me in any way. And anything, I'm actually super grateful looking back at it for all the things that happened. I'm actually really grateful. Because the knowledge that I gained from that, I'm able to help those around me become better and actually help uplift them and help them become successful. I'm actually going to write a book, kind of like a memoir, called 10 Homes in 10 Years. Sounds like a lot of homes because it, it was. Wow. So, but I'm excited. I'm, I'm grateful that it happened. So
1: You are outstanding. Seriously. And I love that what you've learned, you are totally turning it outward and helping other people. That's amazing. Thank so, you. you were 14 years old when you officially got adopted,
2: right? Think. Well, that was that was my third adoption.
1: Okay, tell us more about that.
2: Actually, so when I was first adopted, I was five years old. I'm um, into a family. They're I don't know. They were the Smiths, and I lived I've lived with the, I lived with them for about a couple of years, and things didn't really turn out very well, obviously, and so they just dropped us off at the. Um, DCFS office for like foster kids
1: and who's us did you have a couple siblings they adopted? Um, yeah
2: sorry it was me and my brother Okay. Um, Gio they dropped me and my brother off they're like all right we don't want these kids they're too much for us you better find a home and then they just kind of took off mm. um, and then a couple of years later went through more homes both my brother and I were adopted again and again things didn't turn out the way we wanted and the courts got involved with this one it was a lot more intense with this one um but luckily the family that i'm living with now was able to help us out and i i got adopted by them but my brother who moved again but to a different family and blinding and he got adopted by them
1: so you live near each other now yeah,
2: we live near each other
1: that's great what about your other siblings have you kept in touch with any of them
2: well it was actually for a long period of time that we did not talk because the first family that adopted my brother and i did not want our other siblings um and so late in california we moved to blanding and i think over it was either eight or nine years where we didn't talk to them at all and the family the second adopted family that adopted us was the ones who got us reconnected with our biological family now we are have a connection with them that's pretty good and it's awesome to be able to You know, shoot them a text or call them and ask them them how they're doing and stuff like that. So it's a pretty good relationship that we have with them now.
1: Oh, great. Where do they live?
2: They live in California.
1: So not too far. Are you able to go and visit with them ever?
2: Yeah, I go about twice a year. They're actually coming up. My sister and her boyfriend, along with my mom and my other sister, (laughs) are actually coming up this next weekend for a couple weeks. So it's going to be a good time, I hope.
1: So you've reconnected with your birth mom? Right, yeah. And how are how is that relationship?
2: I mean, I think it's good. I mean, I can, I, can, I can tell that it's good, but there's kind of a minor difference because she only speaks Spanish and I don't speak a lot of Spanish. My primary language is English. And so it's kind of a barrier there, but we make it work.
1: I read a little bio about you before and I saw that you have been asked to serve a mission in Mexico. Right. So that's going to help that Spanish barrier right there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was awesome. I was super excited. Lucky me, lucky me to be able to go somewhere I'm learning my own language and to be able to speak with my family.
1: Absolutely. Wow. That's not a coincidence, I'm sure. I think that's going to be a beautiful new chapter of your life to be able to really communicate with your mother. Yeah. Awesome.
0: So, I mean, I'm sure you have endless experiences that you want to share, but I would love to hear maybe some things that you experienced in foster care, maybe like maybe what some of the harder things were being in foster care and maybe some of the blessings that you saw and like how you learned about other families, maybe as you were in foster care.
2: Um, you know, the hardest thing probably for me, well, there's probably a couple of things. First of all, I, I had a lot of abuse, like all sorts of kind, you know, physical mentally, sexually, whatever, any, really any type of abuse, I I felt, I I felt it. And another thing is just having the feelings of going into a new home, knowing that it's not going to work out, but I still have to try my best to make it work out. And, you know, being able just to kind of, you know, kind of a cool thing. I've really learned to read people's body language. Super easy, actually. And, you know, you, as I go into, as I went into every home, you know, I kind of already could tell me, my brother would be like, you know, this isn't going to work out, but you know, we still have to do our best. It's going to suck, but you know, try to do our best to be successful, just to know that it's going to backfire, nothing good's going to happen. And so that was kind of a real struggle for us, you know, just being able to feeling the need to be a part of a family. We, and in some cases that wasn't the deal. And there wasn't a lot of families. There's only probably only a couple families where I was, where we were able to feel that love. And that connection with the family. Other than that, it was just another home with other people that were taking care of us.
0: Call oh, that. So I really appreciate that you're willing to share your struggles and your abuse that you received because that's something that's obviously has been a huge difficulty in your life. But how powerful for you to be able to share that openly and be able to like show people that you can move forward and to not make that feel like it's makes you any less of a person because of some choices that other people made to hurt you like that is really powerful that you're sharing that with others thanks
1: and i love how you said you could sense sometimes it just wasn't going to be a good situation but you decided to make the best of it no matter I think that's so... It's eye-opening because there are going to be multiple experiences you're going to continue to have in your life where we don't have control all the time, but we do have control of how we react to it.
2: Right, yeah.
1: And it's something you're willing to share. That's huge. So you said you've always enjoyed like sharing your experiences in public speaking. When did this start? When did you realize that that is helpful for you to do?
2: <laughs> well... I used to not always be like this because it's kind of a funny story. The first time I really ever talked in church when I was like mature enough to know what I was doing, I actually ended up passing out and I never wanted to give a talk again. Oh, oh, no. No. Well, um, actually, so my dad is, he works for Utah foster care and he's, he's like the regional recruiter guy. And every once in a while they do like conventions where they invite, you know, parents or foster kids or really anyone who is looking to be a foster parent or foster family. And I kind of got forced into doing it. (laughs) But (laughs) in those, like in those conventions, I was just able to just speak to the people with confidence because, you know, it's my own life. I'm not having to follow an outline or anything. I just share my story and answer questions that they have for me. And It kind of started clicking and i and i loved it and then coming back to kind of that church thing um i literally bugged my bishop for two weeks straight if i could give a talk like every day i was like hey let me give a talk let me give a talk let me give a talk then finally decided to do it and so it just being able to start off with the public speaking for utah foster here kind of just clicked this thing inside me then i love giving talks now i love speaking in front of people it's it's awesome
0: how awesome, especially that you overcame that serious <laughs> situation. I totally respect you because I would probably have chickened out for a long time.
2: <laughs> well, well, I mean, that was my, my excuse actually for passing out in church is because that Thursday before that Sunday, I was playing a basketball game and I had got a concussion. So that's my excuse. For hey, that, that's I a
0: know.
1: great excuse. I wasn't nervous. <laughs> I love that. Once you realize the impact, I'm assuming that once you realize the impact that you speaking was making on people, it made it more joyful for you to do.
2: I realized that, like, why I started liking it is probably because of that reason, because I know that I've lived a different life than I don't really like saying different life than a normal child would be. If they were raised in, yeah, right, if they were raised in their actual family. But I realized that with my life story and what I've learned, I'm able to not only help those that are in the system still, but as well as those kids that are in their biological families, Just even adults, because, you know, I've learned a lot of lessons that I've been able to apply to everyone. And so it's awesome.
1: Absolutely. So I know that you have used the Sterling Scholar program to kind of launch something that you've worked on. Will you tell us more about what you're doing?
2: Um, Yeah, so my Sterling Scholar project, I was actually in the social science. Um, Typically, social science is like politics and stuff, but I don't really know anything about that. But apparently, I did when it came to the interview they gave me, because I started naming off politicians that I didn't even know were people. Wow. (laughs) um, the reason why I wanted to do sterling skull in the first place is because of the foster care system and the reunification process between biological parents and their kids. Um, that process is very slow. Um, it's very hard. There are reasons why it's very hard. The main reason why I wanted to kind of get it out there is because the, the courts or other families are not really supportive of that. Those parents, Um, I mean, sometimes, don't get me wrong, sometimes they are, Um, but I just wanted to be able to get that awareness out that, you know, we really need the foster care system, whether it's Utah Foster Care or some other kind of adoptive organization to kind of just focus really on that process to reunite those kids and their parents because, you know, I think a really big misconception about biological parents is that they don't love their kids anymore. That is such a lie. That is the biggest lie ever. Yeah. For one, because I've been on both sides where I've been the foster kid with my parents trying to talk to them and I've been able to see that they do love me still and they want me back. But, you know, in my case, that wasn't an option. But being in a home where we do foster care and see kids coming in and out of our houses with their parents loving their kids, you know, wanting to spend every minute of their lives with them. And so I really just want to be able to have that process go a lot smoother than it is, I, I do feel like it could become better. And when a situation comes up, they could use that. Along with the unification process, I, I, I guess I started a support group, but with that support group, I just am wanting to get kids, whether they're in foster care or whether they're a sibling of a foster child, Just kind of to get them in one place, you know, just have them ask me questions if they want and I'll answer to the best of my ability. It doesn't matter that you're in foster care, that you still can become successful and you still can become someone who look up to and, you know, bad things in life will happen, but you can't let that define who you are. Be yourself, live life.
1: You have such a bright future ahead of you and I cannot wait to see like the trail you blaze for these foster kids. It's going to be amazing. I know that you also did a workbook. It's called all about me. You've created this workbook. Will you tell me more about that?
2: Yeah. So what, so what the workbook is, is it's a book where the kids are able to, you know, write down what they're feeling or write down who, they feel most comfortable with. It's kind of like a journal, but a more organized journal. It gives them a letter from me personally and all the stuff that I went through and kind of my life story. As soon as they flip the book open, so they realize that they're not the only kids because a lot of kids do feel like they're the only ones going through what they're going through. I know I felt that, and so I just wanted to write a letter saying that they weren't and that they can make it through it. And then it gives them information. They can write down who their caseworker is, where the nearest like DCFS office is, or whatever it is. Just people who are willing to be there to support them 24-7. So it's just a book where they can just write down what they're feeling, write down just anything they want.
1: How valuable. And I love that you're also doing this support group with each other, because I really feel like that is the biggest deal in life, is connection and realizing we're not alone. And being able to learn from each other and If you just know one kid feels the way you do, it just helps you feel like not alone. Like you can handle it. You have someone you can talk to about it. I think that's so cool that you're doing that.
0: So it's because it says like all about me. Is there some processes in there kind of helping them find like their inner strengths or learn more about themselves as well?
2: Yes. Um, Different pages where they know someone who can, either outlet to go to when they're struggling or they can put down, you know, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm going to excel at. This is what I'm going to focus on. And so it's a little bit of both.
1: Awesome. I love that. So through all of your experiences and being around different families and everything you've been through, do you feel like you're a very self-aware person personally?
2: Yeah, I do.
1: Is this something that you've worked on or... As it's just having going through these experiences, it's just come natural to you.
2: Well, I'm, I'm definitely, I did not help myself the whole way. There was to a point where people were having help me out and you know, this is what you're good at. And, like telling me what to do as a child. We didn't really like getting told what we needed to do and stuff like that. But then there was times where I just did it on my own and learned, learned from myself. And so with people helping me along the way, there's a couple of families that did help me along the way with myself, I'm able to kind of just put those together and just be able to, you know, learn off those experiences and keep going, I guess.
1: So you've experienced life with 10 different families. Yes. Do you think that is going to help you decide what kind of home you want to have one day when you're older?
2: Definitely. Yeah. Um, I know actually a lot of the homes I was in, they were pretty bad, but... Yeah, I think there's only two homes that I really actually learned stuff from, if I ever have a future family or whatever, to kind of just be based off those values that I learned in those homes.
1: But you also probably have learned what you, what you don't want and how you don't right. want to treat future children or a spouse, or you've seen how negative relationships, how impactful and harsh and hard that can be. right we can learn from both positive and negative, And I'm so sorry that you had to experience that to learn it, but I'm so encouraged by the man that you've become and how you've been able to turn outward and just use what you've learned to serve other people. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see.
0: Is there any other stories that you want to share with teens that are listening that they should really learn from your experience and learn from what you took away from those experiences?
2: Um, the one thing I'd probably say, I'd actually probably tell them that through hard hard work and pain comes success. Because you know my that's I'm living proof of that. There's a lot of things that people just kind of take for granted, and they they expect that things should just go their way. But that's not how it, how it is. Because with hard work, there's going to be pain. There's actually a quote that I really like. It's by Ray Lewis, uh, NFL linebacker. It says, some people think it's strong to never feel pain, when in reality, it is the strongest people who feel it, accept it, and get through it. Um, That's probably one of my favorite quotes, because that is so true. In my whole life, I've had to work hard to become who I am, and to become successful, and to become the person that I really want to strive to be. There wasn't a time in my life where I never felt pain, so... That's, that's, that's what I tell them is that through hard work and pain, the the success will find you and you will become the person you want to become.
0: You told me you have an object lesson about this. Will you share that object lesson with us?
2: You know, I have in my hand right now, a Chinese finger trap life. Think about this life representing this finger trap and my fingers are us. Um, it, It applies to everyone with hard work and pain. There is success, like I said previously. Um, but as we are in life and things come across our path that aren't very easy and very hard, we tend to want to run away. Just like how my fingers are, we become stuck.
0: We pull away and resist.
1: The more yeah, you,
2: you just want to run away from your problems. But the thing is, is coming from my life, and I, and I'm sure everyone can relate to this. Um, you don't go anywhere, and you tend to quit anytime anything crosses your path that is difficult for you and that I promise you will never become successful as you run away from your pain or whatever struggles, whatever. But as we go towards it, um, we end up becoming successful. So there's a minor success or major success, whatever it is, something small.
1: I love that. So you just pushed in, you lean into it, you run from it, you lean into the pain, you don't try to run from it. And then you were able to remove your fingers from the trap.
2: Right, and then you become a stronger person, and with with the knowledge and stuff, you're able to help other people out. And you know, through that pain and hard work, you like in my experience, you tend to start to love people, no matter who they are or what they've done to you. You just love everyone. And that knowledge from that success, whatever it is, uh, we are able to build upon it and become who we want to become. And that is something that I do believe. That as we go through our problems and go through struggles, whatever, and put in that work, um, success will find us and that we will become who we want to become.
1: That's so awesome. I do think that the more you share, that's where the healing, and you share and you can help other people, that's where the healing starts happening in your own heart, right? Right. So I'm so glad you shared that with us. That is such a good analogy. I just am loving what you're sharing. And I'm so inspired by you. So you're a senior right now. You're about to graduate. If you could go back and talk to your freshman self, what's some advice you would give yourself?
2: Um, it sounds really basic, but I just say not to worry about what other people think. Um, because as, as you worry about what people think about you, you're more focused on them and not yourself. And that's not good because then that's when you start to feel down about yourself and you, there's just no happiness. You know, my freshman and sophomore year, I was too busy, like, trying to impress people and trying to um, focus on them and whether they like me or not and not at all myself. And I ended up being becoming depressed. And, and at that time, I was like, what the heck What the heck is happening? Well, I'm not myself. Um, and so I just kind of started focusing on myself. Um, I was just trying to figure out ways to make myself happy. And so I just started being myself and not really caring what other people thought like to where I was going to school and I still do wearing mismatched socks or I don't really care because that's me that's my personality if people don't like it then that's
1: then they're not your people
2: yeah then that's not something I'm gonna worry about so
1: I love that and I have a feeling that when you started letting that go that's when you started creating real relationships would you agree
2: with that I definitely would agree with that
1: Isn't that interesting? As soon as we like let that go, it's when people are more attracted to you, when you just are who you are.
2: Oh, I definitely wouldn't say they're attracted to me. They're probably more scared of me because of myself, but. (laughs) but But the right
0: people, the right people that you like.
2: (laughs) But I don't know, it's a good time, I'm, I'm happy, so.
0: That's awesome. That's all that
1: matters. Will you tell us what your future plans are, some goals you might have for yourself?
2: Well, as of now, I am only focusing really on my mission and getting prepared for that because I leave July second. That's like 51 days, I think, or 50 days, one of the wow, two. Where are you going? I'm going to Pachuca, Mexico. Awesome. So it's about northeast of Mexico City, and then I plan on doing that for the full two years. And I come home, I'll probably I'll just work the whole fall and head up to the U of U in the springtime and. I'm still trying to decide whether to do my associates in criminology and then go into the academy for highway patrol or do my four years in sociology while taking pre-law classes and then go into law. I don't know. There's obviously a money salary difference, but, you know, I feel like, I, I feel like in both, I could really help a lot of people, but I have a long time to decide that so
0: yes you do I think that you are going to influence a lot of people for good no matter what you choose to do because you're willing to talk about it and you're willing to make a, make moves to do something for somebody else so you are going to make a difference no matter what you choose to do in an occupation no kidding you're amazing carlos Thank you. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Carlos. We're so grateful for everything you've shared and for being willing to share with others. Just keep doing what you're doing.
2: Sweet. Well, thank you for having me. It was awesome to be able to be a part of this.
1: Thanks, Carlos. If you are enjoying this podcast and finding value in it, we want to ask for your help. We
0: don't always want to ask for reviews and ratings, but reviews on the podcast app
1: are what help other teens to find us. We want to spread light and love and create the space for as many of you as we can. If you can take just a moment to give us a rating and a review right now, that would mean the world to us. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you next time on Becoming.